1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm going to go ahead and preach and then we'll have our, our time of communion, the Lord's table afterwards. But let me begin reading, if I could, at verse number 17 of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. The Bible says, Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there to be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. Now you know, looking back at all of 1 Corinthians, everything had to do with division. He dealt with that in the first couple of chapters. He says also that there be some heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, everyone taketh before his own supper, and one is hungry, another is drunken. What? Have you not houses to eat and a drink in? Or despise you the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. Now, I don't have time to really develop those verses, but they really participated in the Lord's table a little differently than what we do here. And it became something that was abused and problematic. And so Paul is dealing with that. But now he gets into this part, what we are familiar with in the elements. The bread representing the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. uh, The juice here, the fruit of the vine representing the blood of the Lord Jesus. So notice verse 23. Paul says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. So this is Paul getting from these Corinthian believers. And what has he received? That the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together unto condemnation. The rest will I set in order when I come. I want to take just a few moments, if I could, talk about keys to observing the Lord's Supper. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for this time. Minister to us, pray that you'd open up these scriptures in a very special way that we would understand them. Probably for those that have been saved for a long time, have read these over and over and over again. But I pray that this time it'd be fresh, be something that is uh, just uh, almost uh, anew for each person. And thank you again in Christ's name. Amen. Once you notice in verse number 23, the timing of when this took place. Please notice, Paul says, I received the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, and notice these words, the same night in which he was betrayed. Think about that for just a moment. It was the same night. 
This was the same night in which Jesus, that night in which he was betrayed, it was the same night in which he took the Passover with his disciples. Now you can look at the Passover that Jesus had with the disciples. It's recorded in the three synoptic gospels. That's the first three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And uh, in those gospels, it records for us that night in which Jesus partook of the Last Supper with them. What's going on in this particular night? Well, the Jewish religious leaders in Jerusalem have already determined that Jesus must die. That's already been a foregone conclusion for them. They're spending time, Jesus and his disciples, they're at uh, the house of a man by the name of Simon. He's referred to as Simon the leper. And Mary, it's that, that moment that Mary anointed the feet of Jesus, wasting, as Judas said, her expensive perfume on him. Judas goes out on that same night, as it's just alluded to here, Judas decided to betray, betray the Lord, so he approached the chief priests and received an advance payment for what he was about to do. Well, Jesus makes at this particular time things that are happening is triumphal entry into Jerusalem. He cleanses the temple, and then things really begin to happen because the religious leaders make every effort that they can to discredit the Lord Jesus and to try to get him at odds with the Roman authorities. And when these efforts, as well as the efforts to try to get at the disciples, when all that fails, the chief, police, the chief priests are very delighted because Judas came to them intending to betray the Lord. Can imagine that for just a moment. A man who for three years walked with the Lord, spent so much intimate time with the Lord, and yet betrayed the Lord. That's this night. The night that Jesus is getting ready to go through the trial is that same night that He partakes of that Passover meal, that same night in which He was betrayed. What was the Passover meal? Well, the Passover itself began at the exodus of the Israelites out of the land of Egypt. We talked about it several weeks ago when we looked through the book of Hebrews, talked about Moses and, and, uh, and their coming out of the land of Israel. Remember, here it is, Moses is called of God to go ahead and bring God's people out of Egypt. And so what does Moses do? He approaches Pharaoh with this, with this idea or this challenge, let my people go. And how does Pharaoh respond? Who is this God? that I should let these people go. And so you wonder why we read about the ten plagues that are listed there, because God says, all right, you want to know who I am? I'll let you know exactly who I am. And those ten plagues that were leashed out, unleashed upon those Egyptians, were to show exactly who God was. That final plague that is recorded for us in the book of Exodus was the smiting of the eldest son of the Egyptians, which resulted then in the release of the Israelites. The firstborn son of the Israelites were spared because they had followed the instructions that God had given. 
You recall when God had basically, through Moses, had said, now, you need to slay a lamb here. It's going to be an innocent lamb, a lamb that's without blemish. And that blood you're to put on the uh, doorpost here, right at the top and there on the sides. And, And literally, as they would do that, it made, as it were, a picture of a cross. And so from there, as the children of Israel begin to make their exodus out of Egypt, it becomes something that is permanent for them. And many, many years as we read the historical narrative of the children of Israel, we find that they would keep the Passover and at other times they wouldn't. But it was something that was instituted. And the Lord Jesus Christ and these disciples, yes, we read about them in the New Testament, but you've got to understand they're still an Old Testament mindset. And so Jesus tells his disciples, make ready, we're going to have the Passover together. And this indeed is the last Passover he's having with them. That's why it's referred to as such. But think about this Passover and think about what is brought over into this aspect of what we're celebrating here tonight. With all of that background I just gave you, let us see what Jesus instituted here in the New Testament for you and I as the believer. Whether you're a Jewish believer or a Gentile believer, this is for us. And in this passage that I read, I think there are four keys that you and I need to note in this passage. I'm going to give those to you briefly. Number one, I want you to notice in verses 24 to 25, the word remembrance. Remembrance. The word remember, I think, is an important part of our life. It's important to many aspects of life. We are there to remember important events in people's lives. We remember people's birthdays, anniversaries, maybe days that people had trusted Christ. I think it was Sandra a couple weeks ago. I remember when she came in, it was just two Sundays ago, and she said, this is the day 50 years ago that I trusted Christ as Savior. There's Sandra right back there. Wonderful. I, 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 when I was thinking about you, I was thinking of you over here, but uh, there you are back there. You know, I don't like it when you swap around. I really don't. It's just hard for me as a preacher. I kind of get used to you where you're at. In fact, Toy, you threw me off when you were sitting up front a while back. I kind of liked you up there, though. I did, I did like you up front. That was good. But anyways, the word remember. Think about this. We, we utilize this in people's lives and special events they have. We have special days that we remember as a nation. We have Christmas to remind us of certain things. Thanksgiving, Easter, Memorial Day, Veterans Day. Then there's other big events that happen. Just recently, they had big celebrations 19 years after 9-11. December 7, 1941, 350 warplanes from Japan had bombed Pearl Harbor, leaving 18 battleships sunk, 200 planes out of commission, and over 3,500 servicemen were either killed or wounded on that particular day. The next day, when President Franklin Roosevelt stood in the chambers He referred to the date on which we'll live in infamy. It's a day we all remember, we all think about. I think it's good to be reminded of some things. Someone once put it this way, if we have no memory, we are adrift. Because memory anchors us to the past, interprets the present, and charts a course 
for the future. Memory is important. Remembering things. And I think when Jesus here instituted this Passover for the disciples and, and, and carrying over now and, and instituting for us as a believer this Lord's Supper, there are two things that I think of of the remembrance. This remembrance is twofold. First of all, it puts in, it allows me a fresh opportunity to revisit what Jesus has done for me. As he talks about in verse number 24, take eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance for me. What do we mean by this, this bread that was broken? Well, this is a representation of the body of Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you, you ought to take on a regular basis and read these gospel recordings of what Jesus went through in the crucifixion. The fact that his body was pierced with a sword, the fact that his skull had a massive crown of thorns plaited upon his head, all of the beating he went through, the cat of nine tails that it says that he received, his body was broken for us we might have salvation. But verse 25 tells us, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it again, notice, in remembrance of me. What's the cup? It represents the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is that which washes our sins away. If we're to see the Lord's Supper and, and, and uh, its, its relationship, if you will, to the Passover, well, what's the Passover all about? An innocent lamb, that blood was put on the, uh, uh, on the doorpost there, and then all through the sacrifices of the Old Testament, innocent lambs that were slain in order for their blood to be shed that would atone or cover for the sins of Israel. My friend, no lamb, no bull or goat could ultimately wash your sins away completely because every year those people would go back and say, well, here I am again. But Jesus, the Lamb of God, the perfect Son of God, came and died on the cross and shed His blood. His blood was from the sinless body. That was Jesus so therefore, here's what we remember, what Jesus did for us. Yes, it was 2,000 years ago. Yes, I wasn't there. But I was there the day that I got saved. And I remember when I bowed my head and asked Jesus into my heart. And I remember when I came to the realization that I was a sinner and that I was destined to a place called hell. But Jesus died in my place. And that moment, I cried out and said, Jesus, I want you as my Savior. And that's what I remember. I remember what Jesus did for me. And I recall all that. But I think about this remembrance in another part. I think it puts it in proper perspective of what this is all about. You see, the Lord's Supper is a moment to think about this. Paul said it this way, that it is a time of remembrance. It's a memorial, if you will. You see, many times people are going to come to this table and they're going to think that somehow that that juice will save them or somehow partaking of that wafer will make them whole and cleanse them of their sins. My friend, the Bible doesn't tell us that. 
There's nothing that I can do that will wash my sins away. The only thing that will wash my sins away is receiving the free blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for me. That's it. That's it. So none of this that we partake of tonight saves us. And I'm not literally partaking of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. I wish I had time to go through that tonight. But this is not a literal partaking because that would be a re-crucifying of Jesus. Jesus died once. He rose, and He sits on the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. So what is this all tonight? One key that you've got to get in mind, it's a remembrance. But number two, look at verse 25, a recommendation. Notice He says here, or verse 26, For as oft as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till He come. Show. The word show here has this idea. It means to proclaim to proclaim literally this whole setup tonight and what we're going to partake of tonight this partaking of the bread and and drinking of the cup it is something to show or to proclaim what jesus has done for us it doesn't save me really what this is tonight is this is a real life picture of what Jesus has done for us. Let me give an example. A lot of people think sometimes when folks get baptized, they say, well, boy, am I glad they got baptized because that helps save them. That helps wash your sins away. My friend, that couldn't be further from the truth. That water doesn't save anybody. There's no holy water in there. There's nothing in there that's going to cleanse people from sins. What baptism is all about is it's a picture of what's already taken place in the heart. When a person's received Christ as Savior and sought forgiveness of sins, that is what saves them, not the baptism. Neither does the Lord's Supper save anybody. It just shows forth what's taking place. Key number three, look at verses 27 to 28. I take this, the word reflection. Let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup, for he that drink eateth and drinketh unworthily. Now, first of all, as you come to this tonight, there's two things you need to examine in your life. Number one, are you born again? People often ask, Pastor, uh, is this table open for, for folks that may not be members of this church? It is. As long as you're a member of the body of Christ, you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, that is the key that I see. But you have to make that determination. I'm not going to stand over you and say, well, boy, I'm just I'm a little doubtful of your salvation, and, and I don't know if you ought to partake tonight. My friend, you need to examine yourself. Are you in the faith? 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 talks about how we ought to examine ourselves if we truly are in the faith. And so tonight, has there been a time prior to this evening when you have personally received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you have, freely partake of this tonight. 
If you're in any doubt whatsoever, if you are, 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 are uh, uh, just not conclusive about that decision, you, you have some nagging feelings and doubts in your mind about truly whether you're going to heaven or not, you can't recall a time ever and receive Christ as Savior, then could I just plead with you tonight, hold off, wait, and come see me after the service. Or come see someone else and let's sit down and let's settle this matter of salvation. So first of all, examine yourself. Am I truly in the faith? But now if you're in the faith, examine yourself in this way. Am I right with God? You know what's beautiful about the Lord's Supper? It's an opportunity for me to go ahead and get right with God. It's an opportunity for me to settle some of the things that maybe might be lingering in my life that God has pointed out and I need to seek forgiveness for. It might be some things that are privately in your life that you need to take care of. And right at your seat, you could probably just pray to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me for this. This was wrong that I said. This is wrong that I did. I cannot believe I did that. Maybe there's something with somebody in this church or somebody, with, somebody out there that you need to make right with. Could I encourage you, if, if it's something you can't make right tonight, hold off on this. You say, oh, pastor, we haven't had communion now in six months and I don't get to partake tonight. Look at it as an opportunity to get right with your fellow man and ultimately right with God. And you come by the office later this week, we'll have communion together, okay? But truthfully, get right with God. Examine yourself, whether you're in the faith and the fact that you're right with God. But number four, key number four, is a rejoicing. Look at verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show... The Lord's death, notice the last three words, till He come. I'm looking forward to Jesus' coming. You know, a long time ago, not that long ago, when I was a younger man, not, not that long ago. No laughing, Barry. But you know, when older preachers would talk about the Lord's coming, I'd say to myself, well, can He just wait a little while? Because I'd like to do this. And I'd like to be able to accomplish this. You know, I don't know where it passed for me, but now I've come to the point, I'm like, even so, Lord, come quickly. I'll tell you, every day that passes by, I look for the Lord's coming. And we're doing this as a remembrance of the past. We're looking back at what God has done for us at the cross of Calvary. And we're looking back at uh, what Jesus has done when He saved our life. And now we're looking at the present and what He's doing through us because of salvation. But my friend, remember what this is all about. The statement I used earlier, if we have no memory, we are adrift because memory anchors us to the past. We recall what Jesus did. It interprets the present. It makes life meaningful now because of what Jesus did for me. But it charts a course for the future. And boy, it gives me something to look forward to. It gives me something to look forward to. So tonight as we get ready to partake of this Lord's Supper, I'm not going to necessarily have a communion. I'm not going to go ahead and have the pianist play. Well, I, yes, I will. 
I'll have her come and play. But I, I, I'm going to ask you in this invitation time, if there are some things that you need to get right with God, would you do it? Do it today. Don't delay. Let this be the time to help motivate you to say, all right, it's time to get clean with God. Keep short accounts with God. Be right with Him.